today, you would not get into a little town of Bethlehem. It's controlled by the Palestinians, the Arabs, and you won't get in there. But there's a great Christian church in there with an Arab, a Palestinian pastor who loves the Jewish people. And he has both Arabs and Jews in his church. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Really great. Oh, little town of Bethlehem where our Savior was born. <clears throat> well, I wasn't supposed to be here today, but due to the weather factors, our brother Sam wanted to travel last night to get ahead of the storm. So last night, about 10 o'clock, Mark comes to the, our bedroom door and says, Carl, could you speak tomorrow? <laughs> you know, I've never had two mess messages ready when we've come from Columbia. I've always had one message ready in English for Cornerstone, Northgate, and Blaisdell. And I gave the same, three, the same message in all three places. But this year, I had another message prepared. And fortunately, this is the message this morning. <laughs> so let's turn to Revelation chapter 1, please. We talked about Revelation 22 last week. Well, we're going to talk about Revelation chapter 1 this morning. Now, as you open your book to Revelation, what is the title in your Bible of this last book of the Bible? What is the title in your Bible? According to different editions of the Bible, the title might be different. I've got an old Bible that I leave here at home, and the title says, The Revelation of John... St. John the Divine. <laughs> How about that? Is this book of Revelation of St. John? No. no. But that means he's the author of the book, right? And other book, other editions might say, instead of the word revelation, might say apocalypse. Does any of you have a, a, an edition of the Bible that says apocalypse instead of revelation? No? Well, in Spanish, a lot of the editions of the Bible in Spanish say the apocalypse and why the apocalypse what's the first phrase of this book what's the first phrase of this book the revelation of what of whom jesus christ, jesus christ. <laughs> the revelation of jesus christ it's not the revelation of john the divine <laughs> he wrote it by the inspiration of the holy spirit of course but the revelation is about jesus christ right and the word revelation in Greek is apocalypse. If you transliterated it, it would not be revelation, it would be apocalypse. And the word apocalypse is made out of two words, a prefix and a noun. Apo, which means from, or to take away. Apocalypse, which means the veil. The veil is taken away. That's what this book is all about. It's about the veil taken away from the human nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it reveals Jesus of Nazareth as more than a carpenter, as, as what was his name, wrote the book, More Than a Carpenter. Josh McDowell, right, wrote that little book, More Than a Carpenter. Oh, surely he was more than a carpenter. Actually, the word translated carpenter into English is in Greek is really transliterated as the word 
technikos, a technician. So he was probably more than a carpenter. He probably made houses with Joseph, and he was, they were well known as the, as the father and son carpenter shop in Nazareth. But he was more than a carpenter, right? And this is not the first time that the person of Jesus Christ was revealed to be more than a man. In Matthew chapter 17, in Mark chapter 8, and in Luke chapter 9, the writers all tell the story of the transfiguration of Jesus of Nazareth. In the passage before, the Lord Jesus, after he was praying, said, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And the disciples said, well, some people say you're John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Others say you're Elijah. And others say you're the weeping prophet, Jeremiah, who has come back to life. Everybody had a different idea as to who Jesus was, as people do today. But the Lord Jesus asked the disciples, but whom do you say that I am? I'm going to talk a little later about those two words, I am, yo soy in Greek, I am. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, of course, the spokesman of the group says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus Christ said to him, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. And then eight days later after that, he took Peter and James and John, his three intimate disciples, and he took them up into a high mountain. And he took them up on a spiritual retreat on that mountain in Caesarea Philippi. And he was praying. And while he was praying, and Peter and James and John were listening to him and watching him, and it says while he was praying, he was transfigured before them. He was changed, and he did not appear before him as the human carpenter and prophet of Galilee, but as a glorious, radiant being. And they heard him talking with Elijah and Moses, and they were talking about his what? What's the word in Greek they were talking about? His? Exodus, right? That's the word, is exodus. They were talking about his exodus. They weren't talking about all these miracles they had done. They were talking about the time when he would leave this world through the cross and the resurrection and the ascension. And they were talking about his exodus to the Father's throne again. That's the wonderful event that they were talking about. In that same chapter, chapter Luke in verse 51, he begins his journey to Jerusalem. He begins the journey a month, many months perhaps, through Galilee and Samaria and up into Judea, and spending those last four or five days at the temple, and then his exodus. Through the cross, through the tomb, from the Mount of Olives, ascended to the Father's right hand. It's a wonderful theme, right? <laughs> a wonderful theme. Well, this book of Revelation was written by a great mathematician. You know, God is everything, right? God is many things. 
the creator, the sustainer of the universe. He's the great sower of the seed, the Lord Jesus Christ. But he is the great I am. And he's a great mathematician. I'm sure that many of you love mathematics. <laughs> and you know there's two great numbers in this great book of Revelation. There are many numbers. But the two prominent numbers in this first chapter of Revelation and throughout the book are things that are mentioned by threes and things that are mentioned by sevens, right? <laughs> threes and sevens and multiples of those. And so we're going to talk about some of those things this morning. And Ernest is going to read the verses for us. So Ernest, read um, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Those are the first three. He bear record of the word of God and of Jesus Christ and of all the things which he was going to see. And John was going to see things that no man has ever seen. And John was going to bear witness to those things, to the word of God and to the person of Jesus Christ and to the things that were going to be coming upon this earth. And so that's the first trilogy, the first group of three in this book. <clears throat> and it's a theme that runs through the book of the Revelation of groups of three, groups of seven. And it's interesting that those things become the major themes of the book of Revelation. So let's go to the third verse. What does the third verse say, Ernest? Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Well, we talked a little bit about this last week, right? <laughs> the blessing that the Lord gives at the beginning and at the end in the 22nd chapter of this book. <clears throat> Blessed is he who reads, and he who hears, and he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And we said it's a wonderful thing to sit around and read the whole book of Revelation in one sitting. It takes about an hour and a quarter. And how many read the book of Revelation right through from chapter 1 to chapter 22 during this past week? Please raise your hand. Do I see any hands? No? Well, it's a great blessing. There's a blessing in that, you know. There's a blessing in reading and hearing and keeping the words of the prophecy of this book. It's another trilogy, right? To read it, or to listen to somebody read it, to hear it, to keep it, and then to keep those things which are written in this book. It's a very, very important book. And it's a book that we should not neglect, but we should read from time to time, because it tells us what's coming. <laughs> There's no other book in the world that can tell you what's coming, not even tomorrow, right? <laughs> I didn't know that this storm was coming today, <laughs> but I found out at 10 o'clock last night. <laughs> but things are coming upon this world that only the Spirit of God 
has told us in this book. So read it, or listen to somebody read it, or on tape, or whatever, and keep in your heart, in your practice, the things that are written in this book. Okay, the next passage, Ernie. Uh, four through, let's read four. Uh, four through five, four, seven, what do you want, Dan? Whatever. <clears throat> Okay, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And well, we got four things here. We got two threes and two sevens, right? The seven churches in Asia, which is now the country of Turkey, and those are told in the second and third chapters. And it says that the person that speaks to those churches is he who is, and he who, what? Was, and he who is to come. Three more things, right? <laughs> he who is, he who was, and he who is to come. As the writer to the Hebrews says, Jesus Christ the same, what? Yesterday, and today, and forever. He is the eternal Son of God. He it is who eternally was. In the beginning, he was. In the beginning was the Word. He didn't become the Word in the beginning. He was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word is God. And he is the word who created all things. He who was, is, and was, and is to come, our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and he is the one who loved us. What a wonderful praise, right? He is the one who loved us. The Lord Jesus Christ loved those to whom he came. Remember, as Mark said the other day, that young man came and said, what? Can I, good thing can I do to inherit eternal life? And as the Lord looked upon him, he loved him, Mark said. He loved him. The Lord loves you, and the Lord loves me. And the Lord loved Paul, the chief of sinners. The Lord loves men and women even though they don't love him. And he seeks during all their lives, all our lives, to show us how much he loves us. For God so loved the world. What a wonderful word that is, that little word, soul, right? <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the best he could give, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He gave his only son at Calvary's cross to die for our sins, that we might have eternal life. The one who loved us, and washed us. Oh, what did he wash us with? What a terrible, terrible ingredient was provided for the washing of our souls. You and I, we have all sinned, and our souls have been stained by sin. God doesn't want us to look back upon all those sins we committed before we were saved or even after, but he wants us to look forward but he has washed us of all of those sins. 
in what? His precious blood, right? The precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. As John says in his first letter, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. What a wonderful salvation. What a wonderful statement that the Lord Jesus Christ, in laying down his life on Calvary's cross and suffering those six eternal hours on that cross, provided the washing, the purification of our sins. Even as the writer to the Hebrews says, that God, who in sundry times and in divers manners spoke unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken, us, spoken to us through his Son, who is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and who has purified us and purify us by his blood. And your sins and my sins were purified, were washed, were cleansed, were obliterated by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our soul, our spirit, our being is now white and clean and holy. And we're called saints, right? <laughs> What a name the Lord has given to us. We're called saints, holy ones. Those who have been washed by the blood of Christ. He loved us. He washed us from our sins. And he became the sovereign of the kings of the earth. He rules in all things. He rules your life. He rules mine. Whatever happens is under his control. We might not think it's good sometimes, but God works good out of all those who love him, who are called by his name, by his spirit. So there's another trilogy, right? And he is the one who was and is and is to come. Well, let's go on, Ernest. Next passage. Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. And everybody said? That's another trilogy, right? <laughs> That's another trilogy. He, whole, he comes with clouds. And every eye shall see him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Three more things. He comes with clouds. That's from the prophecy of Daniel, right? And as the Lord Jesus stood before the high priest in his trial, and they brought false witnesses before him, and... The false witnesses did not agree among themselves. They had to have at least two that agreed in their accusations against Jesus, but none of them agreed. And the high priest got fed up with the whole affair, and finally he put Jesus under oath. And he said, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ or not. And Jesus said those wonderful words again, Ego emi, yo soy. And you shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven and with the, pow the, the, the power of God. And all nations shall mourn because of him. And the high priest rent his robes and he cried out blasphemy and they condemned him to death. <clears throat> Tremendous, no? He come with clouds. Every eye shall see him. Well, technologically, with our television today and the satellite reception, it would be possible to see an event anywhere around the world, a basketball game, a football game, whatever, a revolution in Colombia or Venezuela. 
Everybody around the world could see it in a matter of seconds what happened, right? But it's no big deal for God to allow everybody to see him coming. Every eye shall see him. You shall see him. I shall see him. <laughs> we shall all see him when he comes. And first of all, to take the church to himself, as he said, and then later on, coming in glory. <clears throat> so those are wonderful, three wonderful more things that are going to happen at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ at his revelation. Next section, Ernest. <clears throat> I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. This is my favorite one. <laughs> I am. Ego eimi. We get our word egotistical from that, that a person is egotistical, egotistical, he's always talking about himself, right? But in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, when Jesus said, I am, he was revealing something about himself. And this is the first time in the Bible that Jesus calls himself the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. Now, the Hebrew alphabet had 22 letters, and the first letter was Aleph. And you can learn the letters of the Greek alphabet if you turn to the Psalm 119, <laughs> because there you have one of the great acrostic psalms, passages of the Bible. Every six verses is a group beginning with the same letter, Aleph, of the Hebrew alphabet. And successively, down through the alphabet, every group of eight verses begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and they're all consonants, because they didn't put any vowels in their alphabet. We have vowels in our alphabet, right? What are they? A-E-I-O-U, right? In Spanish, the teacher teaches the kids the words of the alphabet, and she teaches the vowels, and she says, A-E-O-U, el burro sabe más que tú. A-B-C, A-E-I-O-U, the, the donkey knows more than you do. <laughs> That's a little ditty they learned in grade school. <clears throat> Well, there's some great acrostic passages in the Bible, Psalm 119, also the last 22 verses of Hebrews chapter 31. The virtuous woman is an acrostic passage. And of course, the whole book of Lamentations is an acrostic poem, tremendous. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, I am. And when he says, I am, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, He's talking about himself. He is saying he is the eternal God. And during the, in, in, in the book of John, John also wrote John's Gospel, of course, as well as the Revelation. And in the book of John, we have that wonderful theme running through the whole book, the theme of the I am. There are many wonderful themes in John, light, darkness, whatever. But this is the greatest of the themes in John's Gospel. <clears throat> Mark found an old paper, a sermon of mine, or a study of mine <laughs> the other day. I don't know where he found it, but it's a study of the themes in John's Gospel. And this is one of the greatest, probably the greatest themes in John's Gospel, the I Am passages. You know, when the Second World War ended in 1945, some of you might remember that. The BBC played 
Beethoven's fifth century, fifth symphony. Da, 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 da. Remember that? What's da, 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 da? It's the letter J of the Morse code alphabet. Dot, 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 dash. And when the fifth column in France and Germany and Europe heard that from the BBC, they knew that the war was over. That was the letter that stood for victory. <laughs> and it ended the war. And throughout the Gospel of John, we have those wonderful passages, the I am passages, the ego and me passages. And two of our brothers this morning at the Lord's Supper, they read those, two of those verses, they stole my thunder. <laughs> I am the true vine and I am the good shepherd. But it started in the sixth chapter of John, the day after the Lord multiplied the loaves and fishes, and the Lord taught them what that miracle was all about. And in the explanation of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes, Jesus said, I am, ego me. I am the bread that came down from heaven to give life unto the world. I am the bread of life. He who believes in me shall never hunger. He who follows me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. No man could say that. <laughs> and then we move on through the Gospel of John, and we come to the eighth chapter. And in that great confrontation chapter between Jesus and the Jews, after he dismissed the woman who had been brought to him to be stoned and because she was taken in adultery, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Ego in me, the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And at the end of the chapter, chapter 8, the Lord Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. And the Jews said, well, you're not even 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And what did Jesus say? Before Abraham was, what? I am. Egoemi, again. <laughs> and in the next chapter, as the Lord left there, he found a man probably walking through the temple with his white cane and picking his way through the, through the temple courts. And he comes up to him and he breathes into him the light of the world. That man had never seen the light of day. He had never seen the beautiful hues of the flowers. He had never seen the majestic trees and the clouds and a sunset and a sunrise. He had never seen that in his life. Nor the faces of his children or his wife or his parents. He had never seen their faces. But in an instant, the Lord who is the light of the world gives that man sight. Tremendous, no? I am the light of the world. And in that 10th chapter that David quoted this morning, he says twice, I am the door, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Two great I, I am's, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd who gives his life for the sake of the sheep. And then, of course, that great 11th chapter of John, as the Lord is talking to Mary, and Jesus says to Mary, your brother Lazarus, he'll rise again. And Martha said, oh, I know that he will rise in the resurrection day. And what did Jesus say? 
Ego me. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Wow, what a statement. I am the resurrection and the life. And then they went to the tomb and they told him, he told them to take the stone away from the tomb. And he called out into the tomb, Lazarus, come forth. And there was Lazarus standing there at the, at the entrance of the tomb, clothed in his grave clothes. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Well, a few weeks later, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus Christ, after he had eaten the Passover meal with his disciples and broken the bread and passed it to them and blessed the cup and passed it, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And after probably an hour or so of prayer, Judas came with a crowd with lanterns and torches and weapons and came up to the Lord Jesus and Jesus said to him, who are you looking for? And Judas said, Jesus of Nazareth. And what did Jesus say? I am. <laughs> Ego me, I am. And the power of that word caused them all to fall back on the ground with their lanterns and torches and weapons all in disarray. And if I was one of those guys, I would have gone home and crawled under the bed. <laughs> no? Hey, gather things up again. And Jesus said to them again, probably in a lower and merciful tone, who are you looking for? And I'm sure they talked in a different tone too, Jesus of Nazareth. If you're looking for me, let these go away. And they went away. And they led Jesus to the palace of the high priest, and then on to Pilate, and then on to Calvary. <clears throat> yes, he is the great I am. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And all those who believe in him as the bread of life, as the light of the world, as the resurrection and the life, have eternal life. And we trust that everyone here this morning has indeed believed on him as their savior. So the next passage, Ernest, please. Verses nine through 11. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last and what thou seest write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. It seems, it seems that John was taken prisoner and made a captive, a slave, in the Isle of Patmos, where they mined copper. And it says as he was there for the testimony of Jesus, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Now, what does that mean? Some think that this, the Lord's Day that John refers to was Sunday, <laughs> the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. But others believe that it means far more than that, that he was in the spirit in the day of the Lord, when the Lord comes to judge the world. 
And the rest of the book of Revelation describes that judgment. John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And Ezekiel, the spirit of God, took Ezekiel by the hair and transported him to the temple and he saw all the corruption in the temple. He was taken up by the spirit to another place. <clears throat> and Paul, when he was stoned in the city of Iconium of Pisidia, he was taken outside the city and stoned and left for dead. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 that he was in the spirit, he was raptured, he was caught up. That's the word raptured. He was caught up to the third heaven, to paradise. And he saw things that it was not possible for him to describe or talk about. And here we have John as a captive slave in the Isle of Patmos in the copper mines. And one day he's caught up in the spirit and he's transported into the future. First of all, he hears the angels give the messages to the seven churches of Asia, the country now that's Turkey. And then he's carried on into the throne of God in chapters 4 and 5. And then from chapter 6 on to 19, he sees all the terrible judgments that are coming upon the earth. The seven seals that the Lamb of God opens, the seven trumpets, the seven vials, all successively describing the terrible, terrible plagues that are coming on the earth after the rapture of the church. And men will cry out to the hills and to the rocks and to the mountains, fall on us and hide us from the face of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Oh, what a tremendous book. What a tremendous revelation. And again, he says that he is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And all those things are going to be coming upon the earth. Well, then the last part of the chapter is the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm sure that you have all sat in a concert hall, whether at Roberts or somewhere else, and listened to Handel's Messiah. In that last movement, you're sitting there for a few seconds in silence, and then the great curtain of the stage is drawn back from side to side, and there's the whole cast of the Messiah standing there and singing that great hallelujah chorus, right? For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And over and over and over and over again, he repeats the theme until the grand climax at the end. King George stood up and from then on, everybody stands when, when that great theme is raised, hallelujah chorus. Well, we're going to finish by reading this description, an actual description of the Lord Jesus Christ, glorified at the right hand of the Father and the one that is coming first to take, take his church away, the bride that he won at Calvary, and then coming to establish his millennial kingdom for a thousand years of plenty of righteousness of peace. So listen to the description of the Lord Jesus Christ from Revelation chapter 1 as we close. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, 
and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, and white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, and as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of heaven, of hell, and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. And the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. What a wonderful revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the apocalypse, when the veil is taken away and we will see him in all of his glory. Oh, friends, we shall see him. And I trust that if you're not a believer yet, if you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, receive him today because you will see him too. We will see him as our glorious Lord and Savior. But those who were not saved during this time will see him, yes, later on at a great white throne which will condemn them to eternal judgment. Terrible to think about that. Terrible to think about that. But now we see the Lord Jesus in all of his glory. The glorious Son of God not the lamb that was slain at Calvary, but the lion of the tribe of Judah who comes in all of his glory, and we shall see him. We shall see him and we shall behold him, as the wonderful song says, we shall behold him, and we shall see him in all of his glory. Those of us who love him as our Lord and Savior, if you've never received him, the Lord Jesus Christ promises you the forgiveness of your sins, and the wonderful gift of eternal life. He said also in the book of John, <clears throat> he who hears my voice, he who hears my words and believes on the Father who sent me has eternal life. What a wonderful thing. And shall not come into condemnation, shall not go to hell, but shall pass from death, spiritual death, unto life eternal with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful promise that is, and it's true. It's true that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you hear his words and believe them, you have eternal life, and you're free from judgment and condemnation because you have passed from spiritual death unto eternal and spiritual life. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this wonderful book of Revelation the revelation of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here this morning who does not yet know the Savior as their own, who has not yet had their sins forgiven, forgiven and cleansed and made a child or a daughter of God, we pray, Lord, that you will bless them just now at this moment, that they will open their heart to thee and that you will come into them, forgive their sins, give them the gift of eternal life, and help them to go out rejoicing in the salvation which the Savior gives. 
For we thank you and pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless.